Hi, this is Neil Malasson. Welcome to Twyla After Show. We just got done recording the show, and we've got a special guest with us this week. We, we've lost two, and we've picked up one this week. Carl I think it's and, a fair trade. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> oh, that's uh, a nice thing to say. Right. Jennifer's <laughs> worth two of those, the two of y'all, two of us, including me. Two Carls. Maybe three of me. Um, Carl is out this week in California. We'll have a little story from him on the show coming up, um, as well as Kristen. She's busy working on convention videos and we'll have we'll talk about convention here later on but jennifer finley from the department of ag and forestry is here with us talking about we're going to talk to her about her piece in uh on the homeless house is that right that's correct we're looking forward to that first off i'm going to lead off here i'm going to be selfish and be the host and talk about my story first it's the lead story this week because of an unprecedented second opening of the bonnie carey spillway we've talked about on the show before the effect it's having on uh, crab, shrimp, and other seafood producers is just incredible. What what happens is is that the crabs go down because of the cold water into the sand and then the murk below, and they don't come up. And so that's what really keeps them down from the Mississippi River opening up there. And you know they came back up, and then we opened it again. And so they're really just not trusting you know us here. And and the crab the 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 big thing for my story is the crab producer I talked to said he's down to somewhere between twenty five and forty percent of his normal catch. Wow. Now, what a lot of people don't realize or don't think about when it comes to going out and fisheries and and seafood, when there are conditions not conducive to said seafood living where they are, they don't stay there. They move. They're smart enough to get out of there. So when you have a high influx of fresh water moving into those fisheries, into Lake Pontchartrain, into the Gulf of Mexico... Well, they don't stay nearby. How far are these guys having to travel, Neil? Well, it's a long ways. Shrimp folks, uh, for instance, are traveling 100 miles away oh, from wow. their normal shrimp areas. The thing is, normally where you'd before have the sh- the crabs move from Lake Pontchartrain down around through the Ringolets and into the eastern parts, well, since they closed the Mississippi River Gulf Outlet, all of that is now freshwater. So they're moving even further down and out away from that into Mississippi and down around the coast as far away. So there's um, and in fact, one little thing I saw yesterday as we were on the docks there, there was a mimosa tree growing up right there. And you would have never seen that while the Mississippi River or Gulf Outlet. They just don't like the brackish water. But now the water's so fresh they can grow. So I have a question. Yes. Further travel, more mm-hmm. fuel. How much is this raising the prices? It's raising it quite a bit. And Lloyd Bro, the guy I talked to, said they are seeing some of that. It's just their catch is so low right now. And it's it's really it's worked its way up the chain um, to, you know, the the suppliers and, and along the East Coast. I think the real answer to your question, though, is what they're telling me is that it's not enough to pay all of their dock hands and their assistance on those crab boats. So they're having to let them go. Mm. Yeah, just because the price for the crab itself is higher, if you have a lower quantity, it's still not enough. And there's only a certain amount consumers are going to be willing to pay for any product. And that's that's something we fight all the time is trying to get, get consumers to understand, yeah, you might not like the high price, but here's why that right. price is what it is, because it costs this much to try and catch, to make. And there's 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 got to be a balance there, and the market normally finds that. But when you have adverse conditions like this, 
This is not, we hope that this is not going to happen every year. Unprecedented second opening of the Bonnie Carey spillway. But the, you've got to find that happy medium and hopefully the market will, will find a way. And hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to close the Bonnie Car- Carey spillway in time for these these fishermen to make a catch. Well, yeah. I, I, for one, am willing to pay a little bit more so that I can continue to have my crabs and shrimp. Nothing right. like Louisiana seafood. Nothing like it. And blue crab is my all-time favorite Louisiana seafood. I love it. Agreed. So it's a, it's a deeply personal story for me on that line. But, you know, I grew up in this area. These are the people I grew up with. And and seeing them hurting right now, you know, mm. I, as uh, as they talked about, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a, a job or an occupation. And it's not something they can return from easily. And I have to make sure that we're very clear with this, that before we started recording, we were discussing things about crabs. And so every joke that your 13-year-old mind is making right now, we made before this show so that you would not have to endure us talking about it. So just keep those in your head. Know that we made them too. We didn't ignore them. Uh, South Park's crab people. Comes. <laughs> crab people. Crab people. It was in my head all day yesterday. I can get rid of it. All right, let's move on. Uh, moving to the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain, Lauza Farms. Avery, you talked to them this week and uh, more consumer products. How Are they faring a bit better? They are. And it's mostly because of how diverse this one family has become. You know, as families go on on fourth, fifth generation, they, there starts to be a spreading out of what everybody can do, wants to do. And this is really an interesting story of how they've got everything from the agriculture to agritourism to directly selling to consumers to now having a franchise business. Uh, so we always think about the Lyuza family, uh, Anthony Lyuza. We go out and visit him almost every year around strawberry season because they've got a ton of strawberries. They do it great. But they also have, uh, you know, their two produce stands, one in Ponchatoula, one in Hammond, where they sell their produce directly to consumers. Well, I say produce because they're more than just strawberries. They're doing pe- peppers, tomatoes, squash, zucchini, eggplants, cucumbers. They're doing all this produce, selling it directly to consumers there, but then they're also opening their farm with agritourism. They have the Berry Barn and a new venue they just built, uh, finished up in November, called The Greenery. And this place is gorgeous. Uh, if you watch Twyla, you'll see those drone shots of the greenery. And it's just a, a few steps away from the Berry Barn where Carl Wiggers got married. So they're really It's a great open. place. Oh, beautiful place. That, I mean, they, they had a great venue for their their. Uh, she was a beautiful bride. She was a yeah, beautiful Brittany. bride. And I can't say so much for the groom, but... <laughs> because he's not here we he miss did. you Carl yeah Carl's Carl was a handsome groom and I, I can say that <laughs> with with you know with and still have my pride right. anyway uh, it, it was a it was a great ceremony they're doing great things I um you know I started covering uh Anthony Lauza 20 something years ago we weren't gonna talk about that but <laughs> the uh he's you know he's grown a lot but I've also I've seen it for a lot longer than that I kind of have a personal connection to the Lauzas. They were very good friends with Vic and Stephanie Candiato, who were strawberry farmers in that area. But Stephanie Candiato was my godmother. Oh, wow. Very good friends, of course, with my mom. And so um, that, uh, you know, I've been to that area for a long, long time. And and uh, uh, 
Vic has since passed on. Stephanie is up in Macomb, Mississippi right now. But um, I, I've seen their operation since I was a child, and it's just amazing how much they've grown. Well, Joey is there at the the processing facility where they pack all the, the produce. Um, Lizzie Lauza, she's the one heading up the agritourism side of it with Lauza Land, where they have thousands and thousands of visitors come every year. And then here's one of the parts I did not know that the Lauzas were involved in, a little place that we frequent because it's just a, a couple of blocks away over on Corsi Boulevard. The salad station? Yeah. That is Lauza's Lauza family. Wow. Yeah, they started that. They have seven corporate stores and 17 total, including all the franchise stores. They started that up just a few years ago, and it's another way that they can get their produce directly to consumers. It's something that uh, this younger generation in this world of social media, you find the diversification is um, very creative. I mean, they're really finding ways, um, and I'm wondering... At this point, sometimes you look around and you go, I can't believe this, 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 and this. Is uh, What are we missing? What, what, what is that next step? What is left for us to do well, what this and tap does, into? What this does for them is it has them vertically integrated the yeah, whole it's way. Amazing. I mean, but they are also still providing produce to Capital Produce and getting it out all the way from New Orleans to Lafayette and all over the state. Does that equal jobs? I mean, oh, it, yes. Yeah, a lot oh, yeah. of people would have to join in to make that happen. And more importantly, it's a lot of education for these consumers who come there who eat that food that they just love. Those strawberries, of course, are very popular, but all of the other fruits and vegetables that you see in the French market and, you know, that are grown in New Orleans. But when they can come there to those farms and see the people who produce it and how it's produced and made, they gain such a greater appreciation for it. And they they stay educated consumers. And, you know, when issues come up, like what we saw with the Luckets, unfortunately, this year, they sympathize with them and they understand, you know, this stuff doesn't just grow overnight. There's a lot of effort effort, uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears with this stuff from very real people. And I think that's really important for families like the Lauzas to open up like this. This tra- kind of transparency really opens the door to consumer understanding and eradicating fear when it comes to our food. That's right. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just such a, a great, you know, thing because their their products are so tasty. And speaking of tasty products, Jennifer. It's a perfect segue. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> I, I was trying there, but uh, the homeless house is not only tasty, but my God, it's beautiful out there. Um, we had an amazing time. Field to Feast has been uh, such an enjoyable process because connecting all of the what we're talking about from these farms and bringing them into these kitchens um, the the chefs are such huge proponents of what's going on and they're so enthusiastic about it I mean they just it, it it's um, when when you get in and you're working with them in the kitchen you feel so energized I have goosebumps just thinking about it and talking and I can about see them it. I, I'm verifying I'm the verification guy I see goosebumps on her arms right now well it, it's infectious because they love farm to table they love fresh local Louisiana ingredients and they are the ones who you know you, you're we're glad that you're opening up these farms so that the consumer can see what's going on the chefs on that side of it as well are trying to open the doors to those farms They're naming their dishes after those farms, and they're really treating these ingredients like they're fine diamonds, um, you know, straight here from Louisiana. 
Yeah, well, a fine diamond is right here in front of us, and Jennifer <laughs> Finley. And I say that because you're the newest member of the Twyla team. Which you're, I love. Yeah, exactly. And we love having you on board. But you have actually been working behind the scenes and a little bit in front of the camera before on a lot of cooking segments. Tell us a little bit about your background whenever it comes to what eventually became Field to Feast. Well, it's, you know, it's a it's a very short road because we're young, right, Neil? We're very young. <laughs> very. So it, it happened just overnight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back in the day, um, no, I started, um, I had a cooking show with Commander's Palace for many years. And the premise of the cooking show, which was a Turner Broadcasting production, was that we would go out and gather the ingredients. And a majority of the time, we stayed in Louisiana because there was just so much to do here. I mean, we did every, yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything left. We went crabbing and we went shrimping and we went goose hunting and duck hunting and deer hunting and we went to all the citrus farms and we went out to all the strawberry farms and we would gather these ingredients and we would take them back to the kitchen with these chefs like Chef Tori, who's my good friend from way back. And we would make these dishes, um, but probably my favorite part of the show other than the food and the chefs and the whole thing. <laughs> but I loved the people that we were meeting. There is nothing like these Louisiana farmers. And so I left and went back to Atlanta. I had my own hunting and fishing show on Great American Country um, because I wanted to bring out that exposure for women, how much fun this is for us to go on these fishing trips, for us to go on these hunting trips and bring this back to our family and feed them and nourish them. And then when I got here, um, part of the reason was uh, we decided where we were going to raise our children. And Louisiana was our decision because of these people, all mm -hmm. of the people that we met, these fine farmers, this everything, this hard work embodied with faith and happiness and knowing what's important in life. And I felt like if we could infuse that in our children, then they would have a fighting shot at living this life and the rest of the world and everything that that embodies. And so we came here uh, before I met y'all. Um, and eventually this this just happened that, that we got to know each other. And being able to bring this here, Field to Feast, which is something that I feel like I've been doing now for 20 years, is such a, um, a completing thought. And, and I want to point out that she's been doing it for 20 years because she started doing Field to Feast when she was 12. Yeah. Okay. And we're certainly glad to have you here with us, Jennifer. And, and one thing, you know, I know uh, we're also looking forward to is your next Field to Feast, which you're going to shoot in New Orleans. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we will be heading for the Farm Bureau Convention, which is very exciting. And Chef Tori and Commander's Palace, T. Martin and Lally Brennan and all the great gang down there, they have a lot of restaurants in New Orleans. One of them is Sobu, which is south of Bourbon. Um, it's a fantastic, it's got burlesque dancing. It's, it's very, <laughs> very festive. Um, but they've got great food. And so we're going to open up the kitchen in one of those restaurants. We've invited Amelia Kent to join us for this fantastic Louisiana beef episode. Episode. At Homa's house, we cooked um, Wagyu beef from Alexandria, mm. which was just unbelievable. And then we also did uh, an incredible crawfish dish. We love our Louisiana beef and our Louisiana crawfish for sure. Two great Louisiana oh, products. Yes. And so we're going to cook some more beef. Um, I will tell you that uh, 
Ch- Chef Tori has been able to really interact and engage with a lot of these farmers, and um, they are starting to bring one of our, our Maggie Mushrooms now brings a lot of their mushrooms to Commander's Palace. I think weekly they have a truckload, and they have their own dish on the menu. Um, William, the strawberry farmer, Fletcher, also works with Tori. And then this past weekend I was at the farmer's market, and I went over to Coutreyer's, which was in our last Field of Feast when we profiled with Chef Celeste. And he said um, everybody in his town is asking for his autograph <laughs> and that they have been so busy. They were completely sold out even before the market closed. And I said, well, you have the most delicious salami I've ever tasted mm-hmm. in my life. And he said, well, that explains it. And I said, yeah. what does that explain? He said, I brought two huge bags full of this and it never sells out by the end of the day he said it was gone within an hour yeah so wow. everybody you know is is really engaged and wanting to try this and i think that we've hit a nerve that um feels great for everybody the farmers the chefs and certainly it's rewarding for me oh, that's great it's wonderful to hear i'm glad i did a story with Catreras a couple years ago and and i, I know their products are, are just amazing and speaking of all louisiana products the louisiana farm bureau convention is of course course next week it starts on june 20th mm-hmm. and um we're having a bunch of speakers avery's going to talk about it on the show this week one of whom is rob sharkey the shark farmer an illinois corn farmer who has a a podcast as well as a thing on sirius xm radio and uh all the politicians are going to be there of course it's an election year so we're going to hear i'm sure the governor's going to show up as well as ralph abraham and some of our congressional delegation there we're looking forward to it it runs through that sunday the 23rd and uh more than a thousand Louisiana farmers and ranchers and their their families will be around. And the great thing is, if you can't make it to the convention, we're going to live stream a lot of a the lot events. Of the stuff, yeah. So the awards program, the night of uh, that's Thursday, uh, Thursday night. Yep, Thursday five thirty, the twentieth. Um, we're going to live stream the awards program Friday at 1.30 in the afternoon. We're going to live stream the general session. That's where your boss, Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, is going to speak. We normally hear from Commissioner Jim Donilon with the Insurance Department. And we'll probably also hear from the governor at that same uh, event if if he's able to make it. We know that things can come up and schedules can change. So, right. uh, you know, we're, we're going to be flexible. But we've actually moved the time from 2 o'clock to 1.30 because, one, we're going to have so many people speak. Two, it always butts up against the most important thing we do at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention, and that's the ice cream social. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't yeah. want anyone to be late for ice cream. No, I'm kidding. The most important thing we do is actually on Sunday, and that's the Sunday voting delegate session. You know, we we talk a lot about Farm Bureau and the Federation and what it does for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers, but the most important thing that our members do is they get together every year and set policy and say what's important to agriculture for the upcoming year. And it's at that Sunday session where they do it. And while, yes, policy, our eyes glaze over when we start thinking about those sorts of things, they really do affect everything that we have when it comes to what's on our plates and what we wear. I was just uh, reading today the recap of what happened with this last session. It was in your in your email from today, mm-hmm. um, the Voice of Louisiana, and it just was talking about how the truth and labeling was passed and just how how productive and effective this lobby is when it comes to um, getting organized and then going there together and making a difference. 
So it really is a potent and important part of what we do, and and it, this year especially with uh, the difficulties on the farm. There's a couple of articles out right now about the just the mental strain on farmers all across the country. Here in Louisiana, you know, it's as prevalent as all the backwater that we're seeing everywhere, and uh, farmers go through a lot to provide the food and fiber that we all enjoy every day. I want to thank Jennifer Finley for joining us in her background. And of course, Avery Davidson joining us here as the host of the show. I'm Neil Malasson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and even share it with a friend or two. Also, if you liked it, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. What would you like to hear more of? What do you not like that much? That's okay to hear too. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week. Mm-hmm.